Let's bow our heads together. Father, thank you so much that we have the opportunity to follow Jesus. Help us today as we study this unusual message, a very special message for today and about your free health insurance program. Open our eyes and our ears, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to open your Bibles to begin with over in Psalms chapter 90. Psalms chapter 90. Nine zero. And I want to read to you verse 10. Psalms 90 and verse 10. Page 925 in your seminar Bibles if you have them with you. The Bible says this. The days of our years are threescore and ten. If by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Wow. What's the Bible saying? Seventy. And if you're really fortunate, eighty. Okay. Anybody here eighty? Okay. Well, praise God, you're still here. You know what I'm saying? I mean, boy, he loves you. And, and, and the beautiful part of it is, you're, it looks like you're enjoying a certain amount of God's health yet, aren't you? Isn't it wonderful to know that's a blessing from God? Isn't that great? But you know, 70 or 80? You know, back in Abraham's, I mean, uh, Adam's day, it was nothing for them to live 900 years. What in the world happened between Adam and going up to when this was written and we got 80? By the way, anybody know who the oldest man that ever lived is? No, I beg to differ with you. He's the oldest man ever died. Enoch, that's right, he's still alive, isn't he? Okay, yeah, Methuselah died, so oldest man ever lived, Enoch. He walked with God and God took him. I'd love to sit down and eat with him, I'll tell you. What in the world has happened over the years in relationship to this to go from eight, nine hundred years to 70 and 80 years? Something has to have happened, would you agree with that? Something's got to be changing. I want you to go to 3 John. Now, there's only one chapter, so we don't need a chapter. 3 John. And we look here in 3 John, and I want to read this verse to you, because to me, it's something that really tells us about what God wants for us. Just find Revelation and go back two pages, and you got it made. 3 John, verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospereth. Does God concerned about us physically and spiritually? Absolutely. Does God want us to be healthy, happy Christians? Of course. It's connected together. And so is there, as my screen says, is there a link between physical and mental health? 
Does the Bible even tell us? I want you to go to 1 Corinthians, and we're going to look at chapter 10. 1 Corinthians, chapter 10, and verse 31. Very sound advice for everything, okay? Very sound advice for everything, because when we look at the verse, you'll notice it takes everything in about us. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, page 1681, and it says this, Whether therefore you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of who? God. That's pretty sound advice, isn't it? Does that take in all of us? Every part of us? Yes. Whether we're being fed on spiritual food, or whether we're being fed on physical food, we should do it for the glory of God. Whatever we do, we need to do it for God's glory. By the way, whatever we don't do should also be done for God's glory. Hello? I got people that tell me about how they don't do this and they don't do that and they don't say this and they don't and they don't and they don't. They don't. You know, you wonder if they ever have any fun. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you don't do it, you should don't do it before the glory of who? God. Not because you're earning bounty points, because you're not. Okay, it's that simple. <laughs> Go over just a few pages to chapter 6. Just a few pages, chapter 6. We're still in Corinthians, chapter 6 and verse 19. Here Paul makes this statement. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Here again, Paul is saying, in everything we need to glorify God, physically and spiritually. Some people say, well, God's only concerned about us spiritually. No, I don't read that in the Bible. He's concerned about us both. Go over to chapter 3. Chapter 3. We read here in chapter 3. Verse 16, know you not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man defiles the temple of God, him God will also destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Wow. We should glorify God with our body and in our spirit, but he also says, listen, if you defile Guess what? You're in trouble. Would you agree with that? Why? Because it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so we're doing it for the glory of God. You know, this picture, one thing I don't really care about this picture is it depicts the man with a cigarette in his mouth. You know, it's easy to pick on stuff we can see, right? I mean, you've got to be a blithering idiot if you don't know smoking will kill you. Not only you, but your wife and your kids too. Uh, my um, sister-in-law's daughter has 
a tumor in her lungs, and luckily she's been being treated, and it's been being shrunken. And you know what the doctors related the tumor back to? Her father smoking for years and years and years. Wow. Does it affect people? Sure it does. Say you want to... By the way, she ain't bothering me, so it's okay. You can let her run around if she wants. You know. If you're going to quit smoking, you need to quit caffeine. Now somebody says, what? In smoking, there's a drug. It's called nicotine. In <laughs> coffee, and I'm going to pick on coffee, but there's other things. There's a drug called caffeine. Now, you can probably figure out they're related. Second cousins. And if you've ever smoked, you and I both know that that first cigarette in the morning with that first cup of coffee, wow. Now, if you're trying to quit smoking and you have that cup of coffee, Caffeine's going to say, where's my cousin? <laughs> and you're going to have a really tough time in getting rid of it. Do you understand why I'm picking on it? And, and you know, Satan's clever. It's not just in coffee, folks. You know, <laughs> why do they put caffeine in some of our soft drinks? It's habit forming. And they want you to buy more. Duh! You know, you haven't got to be a genius to figure this out. You know what I'm saying? Does it add any flavor or any taste at all? None. Now, you may not get that mmm feeling. You know what I'm saying? I'll never forget when I first heard this. I was a manager down in Hayward, California. And I became convinced. So, you know, being manager, we furnished coffee and sometimes coffee and donuts to everybody coming in. And so I decided, you know, we're going to follow what the Bible says. So I went down and bought decaf. Now, back then in the 70s, the only decaf you could buy was Sanka. You know what I'm talking about? And so I brought in Sanka and we made Everybody complained. What are you doing drinking this junk? It's unleaded garbage. I'm da -da 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 -da, right? So I went out and bought a second coffee pot. And we made leaded and unleaded. Okay? Everybody's happy. We went along for about six months. And one day, Virginia, my secretary, said, Jack, we're just about out of MJB. She said, would you like me to stop and get some? And I said, Virginia, i got to stop at the store anyway on the way home. I've got a list. And I said, I'll buy it. She said, okay. So she left. I got ready to leave, and I went into the multipurpose room there. And sure enough, the MJB can, you know, only had about this much left in it. You know what I'm saying? I got an idea. Now, I since asked forgiveness. I took that little bit of coffee and poured it out, and I took the new Sanka coffee I just bought, poured it into the MJB, and I went down to the store and bought a new can of Sanka. I never said a word. I kept it up for almost three months, right? One day we were having a sales promotion and one of the guys turned to Virginia and she said, he says, Virginia, I don't know what you've been doing to the coffee, but it sure tastes great lately. You know, it, it's just wonderful. 
I told them, do you know they called me a liar? (laughs) Was there any taste in it? No, there's no taste in caffeine, folks. None whatsoever. It causes high blood pressure. It causes all kinds of health. They've even traced some of it to birth defects. It's not good for you either. Does that make sense? But man, if you're going to quit smoking, you definitely need to get rid of the caffeine. It isn't good for you. I want to give you five steps to victory, okay? And this is, this is really in anything. First of all, accept the victory as a gift. Would you agree with that? It's a gift from God. Number two, you've got to ask for the victory. Number three, you've got to believe that God has given you the victory. Would you agree with that? Number four, don't make any provision to fail. Now, when you think about this, <laughs> I've met people that are going to quit smoking, right? And I'm going to quit smoking, but I'm going to put these right over here on top of the refrigerator so that if something happens, at least I know where they are. <laughs> yeah, right. Get rid of them. You ain't going to need them anymore. Amen? You know, if you've asked God for the victory, you believe he's going to give you the victory, you believe you have the victory, then don't make a provision for it. Are you with me? You know, sometimes I hear people say, well, well, I'm going to cut down a little bit at a time. I understand why you make that statement. You're really kind of limiting what God can do. But, but let me ask you a ding-a-ling question, Okay. Suppose when I met my wife, I said, honey, I really love you. I've I've got three other girls beside you. And if you'll agree to marry me, I'll get rid of two of them right now. Now, the other one's probably going to take six months to a year. What do you think she'd have done? She'd have probably said no and smacked me. You know what I'm saying? You know, when we ask God for the victory in anything, we need to accept the fact he's given us the victory and move on. I've seen God absolutely just take it away completely. I've seen people struggle with it, all right? One man, a friend of mine, C.D. Brooks, who was an evangelist, and at the time he was a pastor, a knock came on his door, and the man came in, a church member, and he said, C.D., I want you to take my my name off the books. And C.D. says... Why? He says, because I'm still smoking. He said, I was baptized almost a little over two years ago. And, and he says, I have really tried. He said, when I was baptized, I said, by God's grace, this is the last one. And he says, I've struggled with this every day. And he says, I'm still smoking. CD said, well, when you were baptized, how many cigarettes a day were you smoking? He says, oh, somewhere between two and three packs a day. He said, "Uh, well, how many cigarettes are you smoking now? He says, boy, I've been straining to keep it to two. And C.D. says, you want to give up now while you're winning? Boy, the look on his face was taken back. What do you mean while I'm winning? He says, don't you see what Satan's trying to do? Satan wants you back at two or three packs a day, and you've got to, Jesus has got you down to two, and you want to give up. 
He said, I'll tell you what, I'll make you a deal. He said, you and I will pray together about this. And he said, I want you to give it at least another three months. And if you're still smoking, he said, I'll take your name off the books. So they agreed. Nelton had prayer. Had prayer together several times after that. In the meantime, C.D. got transferred to Florida. A little bit of time difference between us and Florida. <laughs> Long about one o'clock in the morning, C.D. was woke up with the phone ringing. So he answered the phone and it says, I did it, I did it, I did it. And C.D. says, well, who is this and what have you done? So he explained to him and said he hadn't smoked a single cigarette now in three weeks. They had prayer together. And C.D. said, see, you just wanted to give up while you and Jesus were winning. Hello. Do you understand, folks? Sometimes it takes different people. But I don't know about the rest of you. If I keep my eyes on Jesus, I got my hands full and my pants to hold up, getting me to heaven. Amen? Let alone trying to worry about what you're doing. Okay? You know, I don't think there's anybody in this room can say they've arrived. So let Jesus do it. You know? Alcohol. Let's go over and read a text. By the way, this is the number one drug in America. Not all the rest of the stuff we hear about. And, and of course, this one's legal. I know I shouldn't say it. Yeah. Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20. We find here in Proverbs chapter 20, it says this. God's pretty straight up about this subject. And what does he tell us? He tells us this. He says, beginning in verse if I can get my pages together, beginning in verse 1, wine is a mocker. Right? Strong drink is raging. Whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Mm. I got to tell you a little confession. When I was baptized, I was still drinking a glass of wine every once in a while with a meal. Uh -huh. And by the way, this is a big deal. People are arguing about this in the church. But anyway, as we look at this, it actually made me mad. You know, but the statistics prove. But I was reading along about Bathsheba and, you know... David, and then I was over in Daniel, and I was reading in Daniel, and uh, I got so mad, I, I slammed my Bible together, and I said, that's it, I've had it. And uh, finally I said, okay, God, if you want me not to even drink a glass of wine, you prove it to me beyond a shadow of a doubt and by your grace and your power, I'll never drink another one. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Don't ever make a deal like that with the Lord. <laughs> About three hours later, I got down on my knees and said, Okay, God, you win. And I haven't drank any since. What 
text did he show me? Look over here in this text. Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. And this really hit home with me. Daniel chapter 1. It tells us here, Daniel and the boys were taken captive. They were in wise man training. And verse 8 says this. Daniel proposed in his heart that he would not do what, folks? Defile himself. With the portion of the king's meat, food, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Hmm. He'd defile himself with what? Do you understand why the text made me mad? You know. Well, of course, ultimately they found out he was ten times smarter than the rest of them, right? Now, I know all of the text, guys. Believe me, you can just understand I do. I mean, for crying out loud, how do you keep grape juice from turning into wine? Huh? Come on. Especially back in this day, right? It's an amazing thing, computers. I discovered that morning through the computer that even back in Daniel's day, they knew how to make concentrate. And whenever they were celebrating a Sabbath or a holy day, they would take the grape juice, add water, so that it didn't have any alcohol in it. Why? Alcohol and yeast represented sin. And you were never to use this in any of the feast days or Sabbath days that God had. Well, that kind of shut me up real quick, you know, about that one, right? But... (laughs) Even Paul told Timothy to take a little wine for your stomach's sake. (laughs) I've discovered something. You know, if you have a problem with acid stomach, if you go down the store and buy a bottle of Concord grape juice and you get hit with a little acid stomach, take a nice big glass of grape juice and drink it. It'll put the fire out almost immediately. I was in Rancho Cordova. Pat and Michael, honey, you know who I'm talking about. Pat had acid stomach, and she was in a class, and I taught the class, right? And so she was coming to church one Saturday, and she had got an acid stomach so bad she couldn't stand it, and she told her husband, Michael, you've got to stop at the store and buy some of this grape juice. Let's see if what Jack says is right. So he stopped and bought the grape juice, brought it out to her, And by the time she got to church, her acid stomach was completely gone, and she came and told me. I said, well, of course, Pat, I wouldn't lie to you, okay? You know? (laughs) But even Jesus turned wine, water into wine. Like I said, I know all of the texts. Believe me, I know all the excuses. How does wine or grape juice become wine? Now, that's a nice word because, you see, we, don't, we wouldn't drink something if we used the other word. See, fermenting is, it is what? Rotting. 
How many of you here would drink something rotten? That's crazy. See, Satan's clever. So it's not rotting, it's fermenting. Same thing. Tell me something. Where does all good come from? Where does all bad come from? So you take good grape juice that God created and made. And by the way, you've never tasted anything like it in your life. That's why the day Jesus did this, they said, wow, you saved the best for last. You know why? He made grape juice just like he did it back in the week of creation. And nobody alive had ever tasted anything like it. It was amazing. But he didn't make no alcohol wine. As a matter of fact, I've discovered, you know, even to make that statement, that's almost blasphemy. I know some of you are looking at me saying, what? All goodness comes from who? And all bad comes from who? If this day he made alcohol wine, then Jesus and Satan were in partners. Hello? All bad comes from where? All good comes from? What's fermentation? Rottenness comes from? Hello? When I finally got this, I got down on my knees and said, Okay, God, you win. You win. Some people say, Well, Jack, it's a little bit. Let me ask you something, girls. Is there such a thing as being a little bit pregnant? <laughs> Come on. Either you are or you aren't. Amen? So either a little bit of sin is still sin. Amen? Does that make sense this morning? You know, and they make non-alcoholic wine. I drink wine all the time. But guess what? There's no alcohol in it. And it's good and I enjoy it. All right? There isn't the taste. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you something. Grape juice actually tastes better than a wine. But anyway. It says in Philippians, Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Folks, this is what we want. If everything we do, everything we eat, or everything we drink is to glorify God, then we need the Holy Spirit in our hearts, and we need to have the mind that Jesus had. Isn't that amazing when we look at it, folks? Nancy Reagan said what? Just say no. (laughs) Wow. Whether you eat or whether you drink, whatever you do, do it what? For the glory of God. So as a result of that, folks, we want to keep this in mind. Not to be saved. We're already saved. Okay? You know, I say this in some circles. When Jesus comes to catch his people up in the air, there's going to be people who are caught up in the air that are still drinking wine. Hello, I know, let that sink in. That's hard for some, especially some old-time Adventist. Let me ask you a question. Is the test whether you're drinking alcohol, wine, or not? No. No. What's the test? 
Who will you worship? Amen? And if they've chose to worship the God, the Creator, even though they don't know everything you know, they're still going to be caught up to meet Jesus. Now let me ask you a question. If they never ever are able to drink alcohol wine again, you think they're going to care? Huh? You know, it's amazing sometimes the way we think. Remember this, the test. There are good Christian people out there that are still drinking wine. Now, they don't get drunk. Are you with me? Amen? God winks at their ignorance. Hello? Now, you all ain't ignorant. You're here this morning, so don't try to use that one with God, okay? It ain't going to work. But if you're ignorant, God winks at her ignorance, okay? And you've got to remember something in the last days. What's going to be pushed to the front? Who will you worship? That's what's going to be pushed to the front. And as we look at this, it also said here in Daniel, okay, that he didn't want to defile himself with what? The food or the alcohol, Right? And he requested a little test. Look at verse 12. I beg thee for ten days, let us have pulse to eat and water to drink. Hmm, pulse to eat and water to drink. Now, by the way, pulse is fruit and vegetables. What happened after ten days? Verse 20. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding, the king inquired of them. He found them ten times better than all the magicians, astrologers that were in his realm. Wow. I'm going to tell you this. A Mercedes is one of the finest made production automobiles in the world. Now, you can disagree with me if you want to. It's okay. They're made to last a lifetime. Now, back a few years ago, when they came out with diesels here in America, you know, you couldn't get diesel everywhere you went. And if you're flying down the road, and the little light comes on and says, Hey, idiot, if you don't go buy some fuel, you're walking, you know. So you pull off at the next exit. You pull into the gas station, and there isn't any diesel. So I get out. I take premium and put premium in it. Is it going to run? Oh, you guys don't know nothing about diesel. It's going to run like a striped ape. You'll wonder why you ever put diesel in the stupid thing. Man, the performance is out of this world. But the more you drive it, the hotter the heads get, and pretty soon it goes poof. Now you're calling the ambulance. And you're taking this car to the Mercedes doctor. And I got news for you. They ain't cheap. So they take it in and they fix it. Day comes for me to pick up my car. Service manager comes out and says, Jack, I'd like to show you something. 
takes me over to the passenger side, opens the door, opens the glove box, pulls out the owner's manual, turns over to page 15, and says, Jack, this car is designed to run on diesel. And if you'll run it on diesel and take care of it, this car will last you forever. He puts the book back in the glove box, hands me the key. Now let me ask you a question. Can I go back out and put premium in it if I want to? My tank, ain't it? It's my car. My money. Amen. I know you're wondering. What is your point, Jack? This is my tank. I can put anything in it I want to. Hello? Now, there are some things you put in it, you're going to call the ambulance later. I've got one from here to here to prove it, okay? And i got news for you. Them people doctors ain't cheap either. When I start talking about this subject, a lot of times people just reach up and turn me off. Why? Oh, every time you preacher starts, you always hit me right smack into Big Mac. You know? I want to go on record right now. It's not a sin to eat a Big Mac or a Whopper or a T-bone steak. Are you with me? May not be the healthiest for you. You probably do it long enough. You're going to be calling the ambulance. Hello? Okay. But it's not a sin. Does that make sense? But folks, God created us. Isn't that right? You're pretty stupid if you don't follow the owner's manual. Huh? I know that's too simple. Turn over to Genesis. In Genesis, we discover here, God created man, and he created the animals as well. We're over in Genesis chapter 1. And in verse 29, what does he tell us? Genesis 1.29 God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, every tree in which there is fruit of the tree, and yielding seed to you it shall be for meat or for food. And to every beast of the earth and every fowl of the air and everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life, I've given every green herb for food, and it was so. Originally, according to the owner's manual, what was everything that lived? Vegetarian. Hello? Okay. Everything. Isn't that what it says? It says, I have given every herb for wherein there is life. Didn't matter what it was, they were vegetarian. Huh? So what does the owner's manual say It's the healthiest? Yeah, fruit, nuts, grains, vegetables. This is the healthiest. Now, of course, you know, if you're listening to television the other day and, and you're watching Dr. Oz, you know, we've even come down to a second thing we've got to face is whether to buy organic or not. Amen? Anyway, 
I can tell you back when God made it, it was all organic. <laughs> I can't wait to taste a peach the way God made it. You know, we got a ranch up there by where we're at, and they raise O. Henry peaches, you know, and they get about this big around, and they are so sweet. I mean, you know, you think if you ate one, it'd give you diabetes. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) But I'm going to tell you this, I can't wait to taste one the way God made it. Wow, you know, got to be something. So the owner's manual tells us What is the best thing to put in the tank? Now, somebody's going to say, well, Jack, you know, you said it's not a sin to eat meat. Where did that come from? Go over to Genesis chapter 7. Genesis chapter 7. Chapter 7. Of course, we have the flood and the ark, right? Notice in verse 2. Of every clean beast thou shalt take unto thee by sevens, male and female, and of the beasts that are not clean by two, male and female, of the fowls also of the air by sevens, male and female, to keep seed alive upon the face of the earth. Hmm. So, how many clean beasts got on the boat? No. Fourteen. Male and female. Amen. How many unclean beasts got on? Two. Two. One male, one female. Hello. (laughs) Some people say that's what happened to the unicorn. Noah made a mistake and ate one. Anyway. (laughs) Now listen, Noah did not need a college degree to figure this one out. Why did God tell him to take seven? Because, folks, the whole world was covered with water. What happened to the fruit and the nuts and the grains and the vegetables? They're gone. There isn't any. And so God brought meat in to eat. Now, I've had some people try to tell me, it's a sin. If you eat meat, it's a sin. First of all, let me ask you a question. Would God be a party to sin? Who gave it to eat? I had some students I was working with when I was with Amazing Facts. and One of them came up to me that night and brought up the text about don't eat any blood. And God says stay away from the blood and the fat. That's where all the diseases are. Okay. And uh, it's a sin if you learn this and then you eat it. That night, you know, this really bothered me. And I spent over two hours doing some studying. Next night, even though this question was asked of me privately, I decided that it should be explained openly. (laughs) We had some 56 students there, along with about the same amount of visitors, plus the church members. Pretty good-sized group, wouldn't you say? I asked this lady when she made this comment to me. I said, well, what about you know, when they had Passover. She said, well, they boiled everything so that, you know, it, did, you, it didn't have any blood in it. Do you know that when you go look up the Passover lamb, it specifically says it is not to be boiled? Oh, wow. Hello? Okay. 
Now, let me ask you a question. Was Jesus a good Israelite? Was Jesus the Son of God? Did Jesus ever do anything wrong? That means every year Jesus partook of the Passover. We think of the Lord's Supper and we have all these wonderful pictures. But you know they never show the roast lamb on the table. It was there. Hello. Could it be a sin then to eat it? Impossible or Jesus was a sinner. Amen. Let's even carry it a step further. He rose up. Spiritual, wonderful, new body. He appeared and they thought he was a ghost. He said, I'm not a ghost. Feel me, touch me. You got anything to eat? What'd they give him? Could it be a sin to eat a fish? And by the way, fishermen, can you get all the blood out of a fish? Jesus even fixed dinner for his disciples two times after that. Do you remember what he fixed for his disciples? I rest my case. It's not a sin. Okay? I don't care what you think. Now, if God's convinced you that if you put, you know, a a piece of meat to your lips, you're sinning, by all means, don't do it. Okay? But don't go around trying to convince everybody else they're sinning too. That's not right, folks. I had a couple in Citrus Heights. Listen, when they came in, I mean, they were so excited. They were baptized, came into the church. They were there every Wednesday night and every Saturday and never missed. They were faithful people. One Saturday morning, they weren't there. And I thought, oh, maybe they went out of town, you know. Wednesday night, they weren't there. Next Saturday, they weren't there. Now, some of you have known me long enough, you probably believe this, but I'm just telling you it's true. You know, I'm kind of bullheaded, you know what I'm saying? So right after church, where do you think I went? Over to their house. Knocked on the door. Oh, hi, Jack, come on in. And I said, what's the problem? They said, we don't got any problem. I said, I'm not buying it. You've missed two Sabbaths and a Wednesday night. Come on, what's the problem? So they started telling me that the last Wednesday night they were there, they were walking out to their car when everybody got done, and this other couple was walking out with them. And they said to the other couple, Hey, we're going to go down to McDonald's. Why don't you come along with us and, and uh, you know, we can visit. Two and a half hours later, they got to go home after they gave him a real sermon on not eating meat. I looked at him and I said, oh, well, I understand the problem. It's very simple. And they kind of smiled. And I said, I'm not going to say what you're thinking. And they said, huh? Huh? I said, the problem is obvious. You took your eyes off of Jesus and put them on brother and sister so-and-so. Isn't that true? Now, just think about that, folks. I asked them, I said, did you join the church because of brother and sister so-and-so? No. I said, did you give your life to Jesus because of brother and sister so-and-so? No. I said, why did you do it? Well, because we love Jesus. I said, see, you took your eyes off of the Lord. 
I said, by the way, have you prayed for a brother and sister so-and-so? And I'm not talking about God teach them a lesson. <laughs> no. I said, doesn't the Bible say to pray for those that do things wrong? You know, especially to you? Okay. Yeah. I said, well, what do you think? Well, I guess we should pray for them. I said, when do you think we ought to do it? Now. So we all knelt down, right? Silence. Finally, I said, are you waiting for me to pray? And he said, well, yes. I said, I ain't got the problem you do. You pray. They know I love them. And they prayed beautiful prayer, both of them. And guess what? Next Wednesday night they were there. Next Saturday they were there. This went on for about two months. I got to preach a sermon about two months later. And I'll bet you'll never guess what came up in my sermon. I said, you know, I believe if somebody invited Jesus to go to McDonald's, I believe he'd go. Now, he may not have a Big Mac. He might have a salad. I don't know. I'm not going to be there. Who knows? Maybe he'll have a fish sandwich, you know. I don't know. I'm not into arguing over that. All I'm into is this. He'd go and enjoy the company to be with them. Wouldn't you think so? Right after the service, the one brother and sister got together with the other couple. And today, they're best friends, folks. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not a sin. Don't let that sink in. But by all means, as your walk with Jesus becomes closer and closer, whatever he convinces you of, by all means, do it with all your heart. Put a smile on your face. Amen. And show the world Jesus. You don't have to show them your veganism. Okay? Show them Jesus. That's what they're after. As we look at this, all Noah had to do was count to three. Wouldn't that be right? Two unclean, seven, fourteen clean, right? So if he only counted one, two, should he eat them? No, they're not clean, right? One, two, three, oh, I guess they're all right, right? You understand what I'm saying? I mean, that's pretty simple, isn't it? You haven't got to have a PhD to figure this one out. God kept it easy for Noah. There were clean and unclean things that we weren't supposed to eat even way back then. Now God's people went down into Egypt. They were there for over 400 years. They became more Egyptian than they were Israelites. Kind of like the world today. It's amazing how much Christians are like the world instead of like God's people. By the way, here's that text just in case one of them. In Leviticus, it says what? Stay away from the blood and the fat. It's not good for you. And if you eat too much of it, like I said, you'll be calling the doctors. Go over to Leviticus chapter 11. Leviticus chapter 11. In Leviticus chapter 11, God brings them out of Egypt. And they are so new... He has to speak and write the law with his own hand. He's got to remind them of everything. And one of the things he's got to remind them about is the dietary law. 
what you eat and what you don't eat. So here he tells in Leviticus chapter 11, beginning in verse 2, Under the children of Israel, saying, These are the beasts which you shall eat among the beasts that are on the earth. Whatsoever parteth the hoof and is cloven-footed, and cheweth the cud among the beasts, this you shall eat. Nevertheless, these shall you not eat of them that chew the cud, or of them that divide the hoof. The camel, because he cheweth the cud, but he divideth not the hoof, he is unclean to you. The coney, because he chooseth the cud, but divideth not the hoof, he is unclean to you. The hare, rabbit, because he cheweth the cud, but divideth not the hoof, he is unclean to you. The swine, pig, though he divideth the hoof, and be cloven-footed, yet he cheweth not the cud, he is unclean to you. Of their flesh you shall not eat, of their carcass you shall not touch, they are unclean to you. Alright? So as a result, if it does both, they're clean, and if it doesn't have both, they're not. It's that simple. Now, what all includes in this? Well, you know, beef, lamb, goats, deer, antelope, you know, mule, uh, mules, not mules, moose. You know, there won't even be a mule in heaven. Did you know that? Yeah, not even a mule in heaven. You know why? God never made one. Okay, that's a mutation that man's stepped in and helped God out. So as a result, if you know, there's lots of different things we can eat, but not this one. Okay, now I know none of you here would eat, you know, camel, but guess what? We've even started eating horse in America. Now in Europe, it's pretty well. You listen, if you go to Europe, you better be careful what you're eating off the menu because you could very well be eating horse and you don't even know it. Okay, And of course, God says, stay away from this one too. It's not good for you. Listen, folks. It's amazing how clever Satan is. You remember when they came out here a while back and the doctors and on television it was saying, you know, don't eat so much red meat. You know, eat white meat and so on and so forth, right? And then, of course, Satan comes up with an ad. Remember the other white meat. Sixty minutes. Now, this has nothing to do with the Bible, but sixty minutes here a while back did an expose. They went out and bought pork products right off the stores in the several different stores and examined them. And in all of those, eighty-six percent of them had trigonosis worms in it. And let me tell you about trigonosis, folks. It's been diagnosed of many different things, including rheumatism. There isn't anything the doctor can do. If your body is successful, it'll, it'll build a cyst around it and try to pertain, contain it. But the aches and pains will still be there. God said, don't eat it. There's a reason for it. And so as a result... If we want to be healthy or happy, we better follow what the owner's manual says. Amen? Look at the next verse. Nine. They shall 
These you shall eat of all that are in the waters, whatsoever hath fins and scales in the waters and in the seas and in the rivers, them ye shall eat. Got fins and scales? Now, you know, you've got to be real careful when you're preaching some of this, depending on where you're at. You know, you go down south and start talking about their catfish and crawdads. I want you to know you're, you're, you're fixing to go to you know where because they're going to put you there. But if it's got fins and scales, eat it. And if it doesn't, don't eat it. You know, if I ask my wife to cook dinner tomorrow, how many of you could come? I see a couple of hands, okay. Some of you are afraid to say, yeah, I know, you want to know what am I going to fix. Listen, I'm going to have her fix a delicacy. It's roast buzzard. It's wonderful. It's delicious. Huh? Y'all wouldn't eat a vulture? I know. I'm weird. You understand. You keep praying for me. In the encyclopedia... Do you know what the encyclopedia calls a crab? The vulture of the sea. But yet we'll sit down and eat. Man, when they have all you can eat one night, you ought to look at the people in their plate. Just eat vulture all the time. So why not come over to my house and have some? I know it's got wings, right? Y'all don't want to eat anything that's got wings. You just want to eat that that crawls around. God said it's not good for you, don't eat it. Do you know that the pills that's, that it shows, some of these supposedly arsenic pills that the secret agents take, it's really not arsenic, folks. It's a, it is a uh, chemical that is made that comes from clams. It is deadly. It'll kill you instantly. And so they take it out of the clams and, and, and put it together so that it's concentrated. You know, a little bit at a time. Listen, you can take arsenic a little bit at a time. It won't kill you immediately. Oh, I want to back this one up. I've had preachers say, Now, Jack, you can eat any old thing you want to eat. After all, you know, uh, Peter had a vision. And on this vision, was everything just rise, kill, and eat. Isn't that right? Peter said three times, I've never eaten anything that was common or unclean. And uh, it happened three times. And Peter was wondering what in the world it meant. And I've had preachers explain right here, listen, you can eat anything you want. Read the whole chapter 10. Okay? Just before the angel left, he said, listen, there's some people coming to get you. I don't want you to question anything. I want you to go with them. Now, you know why the angel said that? They were Gentiles. Against the law for a Jew to hang out with a Gentile. And so they took him the next day to Cornelius' house. And Cornelius told Peter how he had been told by the angel that if you wanted salvation in your house, send for one Simon Peter. And you know what Peter said? God has shown me I should call no man common or unclean. Had nothing to do with something to eat. You know, and the same thing that happened on Pentecost happened that day to them Gentiles. And Peter turned around to his Jewish brothers and said, Can anybody forbid these to be baptized? 
Why? They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were baptized that day. Yeah, I know, read it, right? You know. Now there's another one everybody wants to use. And if I don't use it, why, somebody's going to be able to tick to me. So I want you to go over to Timothy chapter 4. Timothy chapter 4, because if I don't go there, somebody will say, well, my preacher says. Timothy chapter 4. We're going to begin, oh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to begin with verse 1, okay? Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, what times? Later times, latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and speaking doctrines of the devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy and having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forgetting to marry and commanding to abstain from meat which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. They believe and do what? The truth. Okay. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. And people tell me, what are you going to do with that, Jack? It says right there that, you know, everything was made to be able to eat, and as long as you pray over it and ask God's blessing, it's okay. Come here and help me a minute, honey. No. Yeah. Come on. She, she says, oh, he picked me. I promise I won't make you do anything. Just turn around and look at the people. Now, I want to ask you all a question. We're all smart individuals here. Is this a creature of God? Yes. Dear Lord, would you please bless this meal I am about to partake. Thank you. It obviously doesn't mean that. Hello. What God said was unclean is never clean. Does that make sense? And remember it says those that know the what? The truth. Now we have been learning about this beast power and they forbid their priests to get married. You know, I think if they followed God's example, every priest was to be married, and it was very specific what kind of a woman he was to marry. I have a sneaking suspicion if they were following the Bible, you know, they probably wouldn't have some of the problems they got today. Amen? And, and not eat meat. What aren't you supposed to eat on Good Friday? Meat. You can eat fish, but no meat on Good Friday. Isn't that right? Now, let me tell you, other places in the world are different, but you, you Americans are hard-headed, so they've narrowed it down to one day, Good Friday. But the 40 days of Lent, you are not supposed to eat any meat other than fish. Do you understand what the, John was talking about? These are doctrines of the devil, folks. They're not doctrines of God. But all of a sudden, Paul didn't give a license that you can go out and start eating stuff that God said wasn't clean. And I don't care how much you pray over it, okay? You can come and pray over my vulture all day long. And it ain't going to change the fact that it's not good to eat. All right? Anyway, i got to close this and time down to the end. Uh-oh.
it just faded out. Are we having a battery problem? Okay, good. In all these things, folks, we just need to be smart. That's all. You know, how about birds and stuff like that? You know, I love this one. I stuck it in here. Do you know that when you go to your favorite restaurant that most seafoods are always served whole, including their feces? That now enjoy your next time you eat it, okay? Whatsoever you eat and whatsoever you drink and whatsoever you do, you should do it for the glory of who? God. As we look at this, folks, over in John it tells us that we shouldn't be like the world. I should read this. John, 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Here's what it tells us. 1 John chapter 2. Verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any person loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but it is of the world. Right? So the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. As we look at this, how about the lust of the flesh? You know, (laughs) here's... Rock and roll is 99% sex, according to John Hall of Hall and & Oates. And you ask almost any of them, they'll tell you the same thing. Nantes, Nantes, easy dog. Anybody know what I said? This is called backward speaking. The reason a lot of the young people have come out with backward speaking is so that you parents don't have a clue. That's the reason, okay? Nantes, Nantes, easy dog. Satan, Satan. He is God. That's what it says. How many of you ever heard of the album Purple Rain by Prince Nicky? Do you know if you play these songs backward, it's called backward masking, do you know there's messages in them? If you play this one backwards, it says, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that Jesus is coming soon and the whole world doesn't know it. Over and over and over again. Album by Queen. Another one bites the dust. Yeah? Play it backwards. It says, start to smoke marijuana. Start to smoke marijuana. Start to smoke marijuana. (laughs) Is it any wonder why marijuana, besides alcohol, is the number one drug? (laughs) Over and over and over again. How about this one? Led Zeppelin. Stairway to Heaven. Backwards it says, My sweet Satan, no other made a path. It makes me sad whose power is not of Satan. Now you don't hear these things, but your mind does. Is it any wonder why we go in sometimes and find our young people have committed suicide in, in, in the bedroom? Or, or they go out and it says, you know, kill the pigs. Lust of the eyes. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in the way. Establish thy word in thy servant who is devoted to thy fear. Ah, yeah. I know I'm going to be in trouble now. You know, when you're watching television, you have that little thing, um, remote control. And it does a really good job. It controls most of us. 
When we think about this in the pride of, in the lust of the eyes, you know, the oldest one, it now went off the air, but the oldest daytime soap opera, right? Anybody know what it was? General Hospital, oldest one. Can anybody tell me the difference between the first segment and the last? Only the people. But it's always about whose wife is going out with whose husband or whose husband or somebody else and all this stuff that's going on. Am I, am I right? You, you watch any of these things. That's what it's all about, isn't it? You know, and it's the same way. You know, I used to kid my wife about this. And she said, well, you like Dallas, don't you? I said, well, yeah. Well, hello. It's not a daytime soap. It's a nighttime soap. You know, and isn't it amazing that J.R. for a lot of us was the hero? Today, the more cars that blow up, the more people that get dead, the more blood, the more gore, the more sex, the better the movie and the more it sells. Let let me ask you a question. If religion today is displayed in in a movie, either on television or a regular movie, what religion is it? Catholic. Now, not that they preach a lot of sermons, you know, but this guy that's just about ready to shoot 18 more people, you know, he does this. <laughs> Hello. Right? Didn't used to be that way. Used to be back when you watched some of the movies, there was Methodists and Baptists and all kinds of churches, but not anymore. How about the pride of life? Huh? Now, I know none of y'all here would do anything like this. Right? Well, I don't know. I know I'm I'm meddling now. I like this one. <laughs> Ivy wed. Anyway. In like manner also the women adorn themselves, it should say men and women. In modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with the broiding of hair. And it's not talking about braiding your hair. Some of you seen, in, in, in cultures, folks, they would put beads in it, and they'd put strands of gold or different color and all put it together. You've seen it in Egyptian pictures and stuff like that. Okay, that's what it's talking about. It's not talking about because you, you know, braid your hair into a ponytail. Pearls or gold or costly array. Peter says this, Whose adorning let it not be the outward adorning of the plating of the hair or the wearing of gold or the putting on of apparel. Who gave the description of these two women? And God gave it to them, right? Do you see any difference between the two women? Shouldn't there be a similar difference today? Hello. I know. Tell him, Brother Jack, how much makeup should a good Christian woman wear? You know, I've always been one. My daddy told me, he says, the barn needs paint and paint it. You know. But I'm going to tell you something, girls. I've never met a woman in my entire life that had orange eyelids. Hello. 
come on, God gave you a brain, figure it out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this stuff's easy. It's not hard. You know, should I wear this? Listen, worldly dress reveals, Christian dress conceals. Now let your mirror be your guide. Hello? You know, you girls know when you're trolling. Huh? And you ought to take it easy on us poor guys, okay? It's not something that's hard to figure out, folks. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is a what? An enemy of God. Paul says this finally, Philippians 4.8. Brothers and sisters, whatsoever things are true, and whatsoever things are honest, and whatsoever things are just, and whatsoever things are pure, and whatsoever things are lovely, and whatsoever things are good, report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, Think on these things. What is God asking us to do? Represent Him. That's what He's asking us to do. You know, and so as a result, we want to be able to do that. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, and this is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what this is all about. Last verse, 2 Corinthians 6.14. Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and you will be my sons and my daughters. Jesus said, I am the way, follow me. If we follow the owner's manual, we'll always be safe. My prayer is you'll determine to follow Jesus and look in the manual and figure out which way he went. Amen? Let's bow our heads together. Father, thank you so much that you have given to us all of the things that we need to have a happy, healthy life. The choice is up to us. Thank you that you've given us the right to choose. My prayer that I and every person here daily will choose to follow Jesus in every way that he leads. Thank you for the privilege of being able to stand and talk before your people, Father. Give them this Sabbath day's blessing. And as we go over to eat lunch, bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies. And may it in some way hasten Jesus' return. For we ask it in his name. Amen.